Welcome to Raw Roast, where we have real conversation about faith and life over a good cup of coffee. I'm here today with our senior pastor, Sean Winters, and our engagement pastor, Ben Tyvel. Gentlemen, it's good to be with you this morning. Uh, what a gorgeous weekend uh, here in Minnesota we've had uh, after a, quite a hot week this yeah. past week. Oh man, it was, a, it was a beautiful Saturday morning was just awesome, and so it was today. Good to see you, Ben. Ben's here. <laughs> Ben's here. awake. <laughs> I just woke up. Sorry. There you go. I did. Not enough I had to co- take a sip of coffee. Kids uh, on coffee. summer break yet? <laughs> they are. They are. So yep. starting so. activities this this week though. So okay. Yep. Some soccer going on at Bethel. Moving to a for, new schedule for Evie and and some training for for other kids. So yeah, new schedule. Okay. Should be fun. I was just thinking this morning. I I kind of miss the the summer breaks and. Doing that, I used to play golf in the summer growing oh, up, wow. and yeah. I was horrible at it. <laughs> and uh, I did swim team; I was pretty bad at that. I <laughs> think I did pretty much every sport and found, you know what, I'm not super good at any of these. So, <laughs> but golf, even on a bad day, is just great. Like you're out in this beautiful setting, yeah. and you know, if you get to take a few more swings, right? It just it lasts longer. It lasts longer. <laughs> you get to be outside yeah. longer, right? You get to enjoy the weather. Yeah. Um, well, Sean, in your message yesterday, we you uh, you touched on a topic that I think is a challenge for many, and that is the role of suffering in the the Christian life, and and how do we think through suffering from a from a biblical perspective? And uh, it can be one thing to talk about the suffering from a more philosophical standpoint, and and thinking through uh, sort of those those bigger questions of life, but when you actually go through the midst of some type of suffering that. Uh, you know the emotional how we answer that question from an emotional stance can be equally as challenging if not more so how should we be thinking about suffering as christians as followers of jesus well let me just um hit on this verse that i, I spoke on yesterday and we you know we're in the middle of romans 8 and uh, romans 8:18 8, says i consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us and, um, you know, as I was going through, I want to do 18 through 25, but I just kept coming back to 18 and this idea of present sufferings and, um, you know, the reality of it, the challenge of it. And then how do you, how do you move to the point where Paul says, you know, present sufferings that are real and really challenging are not worth comparing to this glory? How, how do you get that perspective? He says, you know, it builds into hope down in verse 24 and 25 but hope that we can't see. And one of the common words is wait, wait eagerly, wait expectantly, um, wait patiently for the glory to be revealed in us. And so part of it is just acknowledging, but seeing that God is in the midst of that. that, That's kind of where, where it seems like God continually points us. Yeah. I think in a lot of ways, suffering is, uh, or in, in the way that we walk through suffering, it, it can become kind of proof of relationship with with God, if if that makes any sense. I mean, uh, there's a natural kind of outpouring that happens when when we suffer. You know, it's suffering can be done in isolation, but there's this this reality of suffering that if if I'm to walk through this, if if this is going to be you know something that I that I heal from and and, and sort of figure out as I go through life that there's there's kind of this outpouring of the heart and of the soul and emotion and so that can certainly be done with other people but there's also I think a very natural 
kind of turning towards God and and wrestling with whatever we're facing. Mm-hmm. So in, in a lot of ways, it's like that. That to me is it, it becomes proof that God is real, <laughs> and it, you know, even in the, even in the searching, even in the asking of the questions, God, where are you? Why is this happening? You know, we're, we're addressing that, God. Some of that times that turning to God is not um, in humility, right? Sometimes it's no, in anger. It can be in anger. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or confusion. Yeah. Um, or resignation. Like maybe, maybe God has lost track of me or yeah. God doesn't see this. And, but it is curious how I think suffering points are, we turn our attention to God, even if it's not in in, in you know, our best response. I mean, that's the best we can do is sometimes yeah. just say, why God? You know, what's going on here? And Well, both of you, I mean, you've had countless interactions with people in counseling settings or just walking with, with folks through different challenges that they've experienced in life. What are some of the biggest questions that you feel like you've encountered? Maybe you want to even address personally, but at least from those that you've had the opportunity to walk with in the midst of pain and suffering. Why? Yeah. Why? <laughs> how many how many forms of that question? I mean, there's probably an infinite number of ways that we can ask why, but I think that's probably the the biggest question that I hear over and over again. I I go back to when I think about grief. I think about the five stages. One of the stages is bargaining, and that's essentially you know a time where as we process through uh, through grief, we're trying to figure out, we're trying to figure out the why. And and there's a bargaining. There's a, well, if, you know, God, if, if only, or, you know, whatever we're kind of pointing to, we say, if only this would have happened, then this wouldn't have happened. Or if only, but essentially it's, it's like a, it's a search for an answer to the question of why did this happen? Because if I can figure out why it happened, then I can maybe, you know, almost in a sense, like I can maybe somehow manipulate the situation or I can, you can fix it. I can fix it somehow. Yeah. Get out of suffering. Yeah. Like even if I can't physically fix it, I, in my mind, maybe I could go back and somehow wrap my brain around understanding why this horrible thing happened. Hmm. And I think the reality is, is so often there, there's not a good answer yeah. for the why. Well, one of the things, Tucker, that I see is that um, suffering is so often experienced just really on the horizontal level, you know, so it's a, it's a person or a situation, it's work, it's in-laws, it's finances, it's job loss. And when we go to scripture, um, it, it seems like it continually points us to this aspect of our suffering and the experience of it that helps us relate to the sufferings of Christ that I'm really trying to figure out how that works, you know, because when things line up and challenges come, um, I do the best I can to manage them, survive them, move past them, but I don't really embrace them. You know what I'm saying? Like in, and it seems that's kind of what you need to do in order to, you know, understand the sufferings of Christ. But how, how do you think that works that, you know, I mean, Paul, uh, Peter writes, you know, don't don't be surprised by the fiery ordeal that you're enduring, but but see that as an opportunity in some way to relate to Christ and and to grow and mature in your faith. So, how do you turn that horizontal experience 
you know, likewise into a, a vertical deepening in my walk with God. Well, uh, Tim Keller, his book, uh, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, is one of, my, one of my favorites on this topic. And one of the things he says in that book, I'm not going to get the quote exactly right, is, uh, uh, exactly right, but he says, we might not know the answer, the reason why we're experiencing suffering or why we're going through something, why God would, you know, we'll come to this later, ordain it or permit it, whatever word you want to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we know the one answer it's not. We know that it's not he's, that he's indifferent to our mm-hmm. pain and suffering because he has, you know, Jesus has suffered right. uh, for us in our place. So I think there's an element of in our own suffering, in the challenges, the trials that we go through in our own life, not necessarily needing an answer, a specific answer as to why, but seeing that God is not indifferent to it yeah. and seeing Christ's suffering in the midst of it, I think can help maybe address your question of redirecting our focus to the, to the vertical, yeah. our relationship with God, that he's not indifferent to it. Is that what you're asking a little bit? No, I think that's really helpful. It's, it's a sense that God is with us in mm-hmm. the midst of that and that um, <laughs> God can use that. You know, he works through all things um, to bring about our maturity. And he's quick to warn saying, hey, don't suffer because of, of sin or misbehavior. You know, if you suffer because you're doing something terribly wrong and I mean, if you're speeding and you get a ticket, don't, don't count that as... Some suffering of Christ. I mean, you, that's a consequence, a just consequence, but it can still be a learning experience. It might be helpful to think through, like, what 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 does Scripture say about suffering? So that you know, when we do encounter suffering in our own life, because everybody is bound to experience suffering at some point in their life. I think by thinking through it deeply in preparation, I think it can help us get our bearings when we actually do go through suffering. So, what would be some of the key principles that you think Scripture outlines? when it comes to suffering in the Christian life in particular? I think because of how we see it all throughout the story of Scripture, I mean, from Old to New Testament, you know, the, there's, a, there's an entire book written about lament, you know, I mean, which in many ways is a response, you know, a human response to suffering. And so I think, I mean, we can look through the Psalms and, you know, there's a lot of scholars who argue that two you know, two thirds of the Psalms are, are laments. There's, um, there's a lot of facing suffering and, you know, trying to figure out how do, how do we walk through this, uh, this pain and suffering that we're experiencing? Um, there's something I think that, uh, that often that we see often, um, in scripture though, as people face suffering, as they come in a sense, kind of to the end of themselves in different ways, as they recognize kind of their own, limitations, their own, you know, humanity, their own, um, you know, the fact that they're, we're not always going to, always going to be here. Um, one of the verses I, I go to is in Isaiah 40, the end of Isaiah 40, it says he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired. Young men will fall in exhaustion, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. So, I, I, you know, I think this is the author recognizing uh, limitation, recognizing weakness that I think oftentimes comes in the face of suffering and, and loss. And 
Um, so there's lots of other examples as well, right, throughout Scripture. God is made powerful in the midst of our weakness. Like that is where God shows up. He gives strength in the midst of suffering. You're listening to The Raw Roast. We're having a conversation today about suffering and, and the Christian life. And, and one of the questions that we're addressing is, what, what are some... The, what are some of the principles that Scripture outlines when it comes to suffering? And Ben, you just mentioned that it's needed. Uh, that really is a that uh, it teaches us something about ourselves. It teaches us something about God. Is what I'm hearing you saying, Sean. What are some other principles that we see outlined in Scripture in addition to that? Suffering is actually a needed thing in our life. Yeah, I, I think that um, you know one of the things I hit on yesterday was that that suffering shouldn't surprise us, and yet it it does. I mean, it it does to the people in scripture it does to friends and family that I come in contact with. And it, you know, constantly surprises us, but you know, the scripture says, don't be surprised. I I think the second thing that I've heard about pain and suffering, CS Lewis talked about, you know, and any level of suffering is suffering. So we don't have to have extreme suffering, but for what, you know, whatever we're walking through, whatever our listener is walking through today, your suffering is real. And the other challenge is that it's isolating. It's something that you're experiencing personally. And I think one of the lessons from scripture is that, boy, we need to share that load, that there are others who can actually help carry our suffering. And it's a really valuable piece. And it's an important piece to invite other people into that journey with you because it can become overwhelming. So it's needed. It's real. We need community uh, when we go through the midst of suffering to to help bear that burden. And I, I guess I would add the 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 fourth thing would be, like I already mentioned, that God's not indifferent to it. Because I yeah. think that question that people ask, well, where is God in the midst of my suffering? Well, he certainly is not indifferent to it. And we see that very clearly in Scripture. But we don't necessarily have an answer of why, which is really hard at times when yeah. we want that specific why uh, and an answer to that question. But... As Tim Keller would say, and I, I agree with him, the one answer that we know it's not, it's not because he's indifferent. And I think that can go a long way in our own suffering, and then, but also in, when we're walking with somebody else uh, in pain and suffering. You know, one of the things that hits me just listening to you guys is that there are some lessons that you only can learn through suffering, which is <laughs> it's a little it's bit, true. it's like a little bit discouraging or is, oh man, you know, I, mm-hmm. I want to have maturity. I want to grow deep. I want to see God's face more clearly, but the only way to access some of those things is through suffering. And um, so, so we don't look for it, right? We don't sign up for it. But, but what do we do in the midst of it to learn that lesson and to gain that ground and to, to grow in our understanding of God is not indifferent? How have you two found that, to cooperate with suffering so that you can get the most spiritual impact out of it. it it's probably been the I would say the greatest pathway to intimacy with both God and others for me uh, it, you know it's kind of been the, the the substance that has brought me deeper in relationship with you know like I said with other people and and with God mm-hmm. himself um, there, there hasn't really been any anything else that I can think of, that has, you know, kind of created a a space where I've 
felt a deeper connection, really. So, so let me ask you, do you have to be intentional in the midst of that suffering to, to reach out to people, or does it just come naturally for you? No, I think there's an intentionality about it for sure. I, I, I can't, you know, I, I'm trying to think back specifically. I, I know there have there are times in my life where I, where I so kind of completely come to the end of myself, like I feel like I don't have any other option. Yeah, like I feel but like that's I've, not easy to admit. No, <laughs> no, it's not. And I, yeah. and and I, you know, I've certainly doubled down in different ways of, you know, in kind of in and in within myself, like in isolation or, you know, in some kind of behavior or, you know, whatever I could try to do to kind of keep it, keep it in or to try to fix it within. But there comes a point and I, I truly believe it's God's grace. It, It, it's a reflection of God's grace that we have these, these limits, whether it's emotionally or even physically where I, we can only carry so much before yeah. we become ill, right? <laughs> we need and we, we need that help, and we yeah. need the help. Yeah, because I, I think otherwise it would, um, you know, it would crush us. And I, I think it, it does at times, um, you know, play out that way. But I, I yeah. do think it's by the grace of God that that, that happens. How about you, Tucker? How, how do you, have you found that you cooperate with suffering experiences to gain the most? Spiritual ground. Um, my mother-in-law, she passed away. It's been a few years now, and walking with Aaliyah through the midst of that was mm. uh, was really challenging. And bear, you know, having to having to grieve a, a different in a different way than she was. I mean, she lost yeah. her mom, uh, but then also having you know to so so I'm I'm grieving in in you know the loss of my mother-in-law, but then also having to be there to support her in the midst right. of that. Uh, but I, I honestly can say God taught me a lot through the midst of that, uh, both then in the the grieving process, but then also in, in being that in that supportive role. Mm. Um, so I, it's hard to kind of, it's hard to articulate h- how I grew in, yeah. in that season of life. But looking back, I know that I'm a different person now th- than before going yeah. through that. I mean, Ben needed to reach out, and then you were the one that Aaliyah needed to reach out to. But, but being that caregiver for someone else who's suffering, I think, is it's sometimes a, a challenging role because you, we're not sure how best. We're not grieving in the same way, but, but to be that caregiver. And it's challenging. You know, so when I, I still wrestle with, you know, even, even people in the congregation, they've lost a loved one. I, I still have a hard time knowing, like, what do I say? Hmm. In those moments, and maybe sometimes what's best said is is nothing at all. It's just being, just being with them, being present, yeah. um, imitating, imitating God in that way, where He came and He dwelt among us. He was mm-hmm. with us, and just being present with that person can be, I think, huge in many ways. Yeah, I lost my my dad uh, almost two years ago now, and I, I've shared with a number of people that. While I've walked beside people in grief, I've never experienced that deep of grief over the loss of life. And um, it, was, it was unsettling. It was surprising. It was tiring. Um, and, and, it was, and it just would hit you out of nowhere. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't even talk about it. Anyway, I picked up some, you know, some 
shoe shine stuff that I had, like like shoe polish and a rag. And I remember my dad teaching me to polish shoes. And I'm in my closet. This is months later, and I just break down weeping. And um, you know, it, it it hits you in such strange ways. Mm. But I but I sense that God expanded my heart in the midst of that that I can understand people a little bit more. At least mm-hmm. I can tap on some common, has this ever happened to you? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes that's the best way to enter into people and share with them is just, I don't really understand what you're going through, but here's what happened to me. And they're like, and then they can share a story. There's something very real about walking through uh, suffering or you know, experiencing a, a wound or having a wound and yet still being able to be be useful by God, uh, it makes me think of the book by Henry Nouwen called "The Wounded Healer." Hmm. That's essentially, you know, this this idea that you know our our most effective way to be a healer or to actually kind of enter into these spaces with others is to actually kind of um, go to the depths of our own wound, woundedness, and the better we can uh, understand those parts of ourselves, the, the times when we ourselves walk through the grief, uh, when we experience it firsthand, that we actually, you know, are part of the gift that's given through that in the, in, in the midst of that is then how we can show up for others. We've got the language. We've, we've actually felt the feelings. Yeah. Um, that makes a big difference in how it is that we a- approach that with someone else, how we mm-hmm. sit with them, what we say, what we don't say. Um, that's not stuff that can... I mean, it can be book taught in a sense, but right. it's but it's caught. It is. Un, I would yeah. say, unfortunately, like yeah. that's that tension of like it's unfortunate that the only way to experience that is to go through it, and and we all do. And but I, again, I think there's ways to go through it and and then come out on the other side. Um, you know, uh, being closer, and I, I don't, you know, and having gone through the healing process to then be available for someone else. Um, but it marks us, you know, there are certain things in our life that will, that, that mark us and that will always then show up throughout life. So we've touched on a couple of things here. We've touched on that suffering is needed. Uh, it's real. We need uh, community around us when we go through suffering. God's not indifferent to it, uh, to our suffering and to, to us when we go through suffering one of the things we've touched on now uh, for a little bit is the idea that that suffering teaches us. We we learn something uh, for better or for worse when we go through when we go through suffering. Um, one of the things I would add too is I think we need to be careful that I think suffering is either going to do one or two things. It's going to tear our idols down when we go through the midst of suffering, or if we're not careful, we'll start to construct new idols in our life to try to find comfort in those things. And so I think it's being careful to to run to Christ even in when we, you know, we're struggling and we're wrestling and and we might not feel like doing that. I think running to Christ in the midst of our suffering is something we want to be careful that we do and not to construct other idols. Yeah, I just... Uh... You know, right in line with that, First Peter 4.19 says, So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So in the midst of suffering, and, and again, some suffering comes as the will of God. I think it's a shaping, powerful 
tool in our life that God uses. And we live in a broken world, and we can point to the, you know, the, the, the causes, but in the midst of that, that we commit ourselves to our faithful creator, we commit ourselves to Christ. Boy, as hard as it is to keep doing good, <laughs> you know, that, that how we react and how we live and how we move. Um, and, and um, boy, it's really important, and, and, and it's really challenging. This raises a, a good question, too. Does God will suffering? And what role, you know, how should we think about God's relationship? I mean, this gets into some of these bigger theological terms like God's sovereignty or his, his rule over creation, his, his providence, his uh, special plan for his sovereignty over creation. How should we think about the relationship between God and really gets to the question of God and evil? There's, I think, this. I think it practically plays itself out in the way that we live our life. I don't think it's just something reserved for a, you know, a college classroom. I do think there are some practical implications for this. What would you say is the relationship between God and evil? Um, yeah, I mean, we, we would look at pre-fall and we'd say, you know, that there, you know, before there was evil, there wasn't suffering. Um, but in a fallen world, we suffer. In a fallen world, there's brokenness, there's sin, um, and and sometimes it's by our choices and and our mistakes. Sometimes it's by the choices of others that bring suffering. Sometimes, you know, the the suffering is we would say acts of God. You know, some some sort of cataclysmic um, uh, event that takes place. But but yet there's this working in scripture that says, you know, sometimes by the will of other people, evil people, there is pain that comes into my life, and yet God uses that or redeems that. So in First Peter it says, you know, if we suffer by the will of God, part of God's plan was the suffering of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I, I think some of the suffering comes in our life by the will of God, and some of it is because of Satan who kills, maims, and destroys, um, but God can still redeem that. You know, Paul said at the end of Galatians, you can see the stripes of my own um, persecution, but he would point to it as, as my service to God. This isn't a, a problem to be solved so much as it's a tension to live in. Again, there's part of life that sometimes we don't resolve it, and this really is a, um, you know, it's, it's a part of our experience here in a fallen world, and... And so how to live into it by doing good and continuing to see Christ and, you know, care for one another in the midst of that. Um, it's much more of a tension to be managed. And how do we live in the midst of that, um, the brokenness and still see Christ? That's a good way. And that's probably a good way to even end the, the, the importance of the tension. And we don't like, I mean, who likes tension? I, right. No one No one does that I know. Um, well, maybe there's a few, <laughs> a few people. Well, the reality is that we want to know. <clears throat> We, you know, we want, I think it comes back to this, like we, we want to have an answer for, for the thing that we're walking through. So if, if we're facing some kind of deep hardship, we want to, we want some kind of reason for that hardship. It's, I think it's just human nature. So I, I think that part of the conversation goes back to that place of like, I need to, I need to yeah. somehow figure this out. Like, God, did you, did you cause this? Like where, you know, where, where are, again, where are you in the midst of this? Like if, because if you caused it, well, then I have somewhere to direct my anger or my yeah. frustration or whatever it might be. Right. But again, I think 
wherever and you end up landing. And just rescue me from it. Yeah. Right? Like, let's let's be done with this. Yeah. But those are emotions that, like, that stuff has to come out anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and again, I think God, he can handle that. Like, he, he's able to absorb that, yeah. um, that part of us. Right? Our anger. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, I think at the end of the day, for me, like, I don't know if it it's what really matters hmm. is whether or not God ordained this thing. And, and again, however we define he ordained it or he willed it, I think it comes back to the relationship, like God being present in the midst of it and us having a way to, to, to pour that out of our own hearts and our own minds. Um, but I think if we get so caught up in God, did you, you know, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, I've seen that hang, hang my, that's hung me up more yeah. often than not that I see that yeah. hanging people up in their grief process. Yeah. Here's a great verse on tension. Um, Galatians six seventeen says from now on, let no one else cause me trouble. I'm done with it. Just be done. <laughs> For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. You know, we'd say, you know, he bears on his body the marks of sinful men who who persecuted him, but he calls it the marks of Jesus. At the same time, he's saying, "Hey, I'm I'm done with trouble. Like, like quit quit giving me trouble. I'm I'm weary of suffering." But Christ Christ has shaped me by the experiences I've walked through. You know, Job. I mean, it's one of the classic books on how do we think through suffering, and you know, from and and do so in a in a biblical way. I love the Book of Job, and one of the things I do I love about it is it doesn't give us an answer. Mm. And going back to this idea of tension, it doesn't solve yeah. the tension for us. But you go to the very end of the Book of Job, Job forty two seven, uh, and this is from the CSB. It says after the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite. I am angry with you and your two friends, for you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. And one of my uh, one of my uh, seminary professors said that maybe a better translation is you haven't spoken to me as my servant Job has. Hmm. And that little uh, change in in preposition is extremely important. If that if that's a if that's a good translation. The point being, you have Job's friends who are doing a lot of talking about God. But in the midst of Job's suffering, they're never talking to God. Mm. And the point of the book of Job could be, in the midst of our suffering, we don't necessarily need the answer. We need to go and speak to God. Uh, and that's the right thing to do. Even in all our anger and frustration, as you've mentioned, Ben, the point of the book of Job is speaking to God and drawing us into a relationship with God, even in the midst of that tension. Yeah. Seeing God and knowing that he sees you. Yeah. Where else can we experience, I would even say that, you know, the power of God, right? It, deeper intimacy with God. I mean, there's these aspects of of God's character and of, of who he is that with without suffering and without going to him and saying, where are you? Help me intervene. As, as we see throughout scripture, you know, peop, the, the children of God and people who are walking through suffering, like that that's when they then get to see God show up. Like that's when they get to see his strength and when they see his power and they see his love and his care. And, and again, I think that's, that's kind of the route mm-hmm. by which we also get to experience these things of who God is at a deeper level. 
And again, I know I'm always left with, unfortunately, it comes through yeah. suffering. I, yeah, I don't love that. I like, even right now I'm like, ah, <laughs> but, but I want more of God. I yeah, want to yeah. see more of, of who he is. I want more of his power in my life. And that's the path I have to take. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for your time today, your conversation. Ben, you can go get your coffee now <laughs> that you've been waiting for this morning. I want to thank you for listening. If you'd like more information about Calvary Church, you can visit calvarychurch.us. You can check us out online or in person on Sunday mornings. We would encourage you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. It also helps us if you leave us a review. We look forward to having you join us again next Monday. Monday.